On this week's The Koi Gig Podcast, we had an exclusive interview with Manchester United's Ona Barrier. With those crowds and that pressure, I just love it. Listen now and make sure you subscribe to The Koi Gig Podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The News Run on Off The Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave for your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. This is News Talk. All right, it is Thursday's Off The Ball. Nathan with you this evening. We're here all the way through until 10 o'clock. Uh, John Giles on the way at half past seven. We'll be uh, looking ahead to the finale of the Premier League season. Obviously a huge weekend for Everton, for Leicester and for Leeds United as well. We'll be chatting to John also about Arsenal and Manchester City. And of course, we keep you up to date with the live football tonight. Manchester United against Chelsea. A point will be enough for Manchester United to secure Champions League football for next season. Uh, Adam Pope, who covers Leeds United for the Athletic will be with us as well. Uh, What does it all mean for Leeds if they go down uh, in terms of the future of the club? And Rafa Honigstein uh, on Borussia Dortmund, who are on the cusp of winning the Bundesliga title for the first time since Jurgen Klopp was in charge over a decade ago. It's been 10 in a row for Bayern Munich, but if Dortmund win this weekend, they will be the Bundesliga champion. So that's coming up on the football show from 9 o'clock. After 8, we're going to be talking about, I guess, what is the hot topic of the week uh, Cahar O'Kane's article in the Irish News that Crow Park are to clamp down and bring sanctions against those involved in providing any form of competition for players under the age of 12 so there's been some really good debates on this uh, on OTBAM this morning we're going to be joined by Pat Daly who is a former director of games with the GEA and was very much the driving force behind the introduction of Go Games uh, a really interesting and innovative guy involved in the GEA so he's going to join us and also Kate Kirby who's the lead psychologist with the Irish Olympic team and Sport Ireland Institute and maybe she can tell us if you need to lose to build resilience Speaking as somebody who comes from Mayo, Nathan, Bloody you'd be hell. able to tell us a lot about this. I'm the most resilient man in Ireland right now Do you build resilience from other people losing or is it only when you lose yourself? No, you have to learn to lose yourself, you have to feel that, yeah Joe Malloy is with us How are you Joe? Good to say goodbye to Adam Pope I suppose been a nice couple of years with him <laughs> yeah maybe this time next year Adam we'll give you a call if things are going well if you get the old promotion yeah, yeah good to chat with you who is I, you got the number of the Sheffield United guy <laughs> I'm very interested in this debate I have only seen headlines and people tweeting I haven't actually had a chance to listen to anything yet I only have my own experience Nathan I don't have uh, children of that age uh, Mm. at this present moment in time. But I was just trying to think as I listened to your introduction. I mean, uh, I started playing organized 11-a-side football at 10. And uh, many uh, heroic uh, battles on our um, green in our estate long before that. The idea that we would not have been keeping score would just not have even entered our mind now as to whether that was good bad or indifferent I don't know but I know 10 year old me would be saying absolutely not we're keeping score well I can so tell you I'm right very, now I'm very interested that 10 year olds still keep score that they know they know exactly they what the result is but I think there's a lot going on in this and part of 
when you read a lot of the tweets and people's reaction is we go back to when we were kids and what worked yeah. for us and then you, that was 25 years ago maybe thinking might have moved on in certain parts of life and maybe we should go with this and that's why I was very keen to get Pat Daly on because he was very much the man behind the Go Games initiative and met with a huge amount of resistance so there is no scorekeeping in Go Games officially Officially, there's no league table at the end of the year, but I can tell you, the kids know whether they've won by a point, or as our under-10s generally feel if they've won by a point, they've smashed the opposition. And if they've lost by a point, they've been hammered in this game. Quite often the game is a draw, but nobody really knows. Partly because, as well at Go Games, a goal is worth only one point, and if you put it over the bar, it's worth three points. So it's a different scoring system. It's a little bit more, uh, it takes a bit more thought, but nobody's writing down the score. There is no league table. Uh, my thought on it is that when the result matters more to the adult, yeah. to the coach, to the parent, than it does to the kids involved, then you have a problem. And I don't think there's any question that when there is a trophy involved, medals, any sort of prestige involved with winning, then the adults involved are going to be more inclined to go and try and win. And I think the question is, what does that then involve? So can you stay true to the ethos of your club, of your team, of participation, of game time, of player development, of... Inclusivity, does trying to win change that? And I would feel that for younger age groups, it, it probably does change it. Whereas Go Games at the moment, it does encourage participation. So every player plays in Go Games. There are no subs. There's not meant to be subs. There might be the odd time where there's just a very uneven number on two teams and it wouldn't be fair. But quite often you just swap a player to the other team to again ensure that every player plays all of the time, which means everybody gets equal game time we all remember again 25 years ago the one lad who came on and got two minutes at the end of the game and had travelled for two hours on a bus or maybe he didn't even get any game time that doesn't happen in Go Games there is player development in Go Games so it is streamed certainly in Dublin so there will be an A, a B and a C game you wouldn't call it that obviously publicly to the players but the stronger players do get to test themselves against each other the players who are still developing maybe physically still developing a little bit they get to play each other as well and get plenty of game time on the ball so all of that is there but the question then is when does the result start to matter to everybody else because as I say the kids know yeah and when a kid goes home if a parent has any inclination that a kid has a talent they're going to latch on to that and they're going to want the betterment of their development and I find it impossible to believe that parents won't do that at home a common response to Carol Kane's article has been that line of players need to learn how to lose like life is not perfect and you need to build up resilience through losing but again I think they do get to experience that but you will also see the same people say well oh yes these competitions should go ahead but everybody should get equal game time that is just not going to happen that is not rooted in reality of what 
parents what coaches are like and I would probably include myself in this that I even see the difference between the GEA and soccer yeah that's been highlighted big time massively yeah. because in soccer already at under 10s there are leagues there's a division 1 2, 3, 4 all the way down whereas goal games is based on the size of your club the amount of players you have so that you're sort of have a similar standard all the way across and all it takes is one coach one parent to try and pull a fast one so that they win and the whole thing breaks down anyways mm. but it's been said as well that particularly young lads in Dublin are now wanting to participate more so in soccer because of that competitive element do you find that I don't know like like they what, enjoy in, the competition element but of what it. is the competition element well, as in Go Games in the GAA, there isn't a competitive element of it, but there is within young soccer leagues. Yeah, I think that's probably to the heart of the question here is what is competitive? Yeah. Like, is the fact that there's a Division 1, 2 and 3 make it more competitive than what Go Games is? Well, yeah, naturally. And they enjoy that. Why? Because... Because you only play the standard of player... But the idea as well of like thriving to be better, they're enjoying that. But do you not do young GEA players not thrive to be better? But if it's not competitive, that's taken away from it. But it is like I don't know if you've watched an under ten GEA game. They don't just stand there and applaud each other as they run on by. They try and clatter each other. No, but the idea that a score isn't taken. They still try and kick it over the bar. They're not thinking, well, this doesn't really matter. I won't bother taking the shot. So then at the end of the game, who wins? It doesn't matter who wins. But it does. <laughs> and that's why the participation in soccer is higher. I don't know. What do you think, Kids Joe? want to win. We all want to win. That's normal. Yeah, but they don't. But the point I'm making is they know if they win or lose. You don't need... So if we have a penalty shootout, that's going to be competitive. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. In the GAA? In anything. At the end of training. But these go games that aren't competitive, there isn't a winner at the end of it. That's problematic. Yeah, I, it's really interesting. So I, I don't have a, an informed opinion. And like I said, I, I agree with your point, Nathan. What I was doing 25 years ago on a whole host of fronts may not have <laughs> been necessarily right. So listening to you, there are two aspects to this, the kids and the adults. I think from the kids' point of view, it's naive uh, not to think they're not keeping score and, and you've acknowledged they all do anyway and I'm sure Pat Daly knows they do as well uh, these kids are keeping score in every aspect of their life socially academically in fights with their brothers and sisters when they go home and play FIFA afterwards when the team they support in the Premier League wins or loses and you know what they can handle it and they do handle it and like my memory of, of that age was like it was great fun to win and the world didn't end if we lost either you know we got an ice cream we got over it and it didn't put me off playing whatsoever whether I was on a particularly good team or a particularly bad team so I, I personally I think the kids can handle it uh, what's very interesting though is your point about the adults and um, I guess the starting point for any sport at underage level has to be as uh, you know for as to as old an age as possible equal participation and so if everybody keeping score and giving out trophies means that uh, the adults, despite their best intentions, are actually saying, geez, I'd really like to win this game. Just um, tell Johnny warm up for 10 more minutes or go and play a side game. With we'll get him on next. We'll get little Nathan on next week, but we're just not we're not bringing him on now. Uh, if that's, you know, the tendency of human nature and that's what the, the research shows, then uh, 
I, I don't love the idea of non-competitive uh, sport for, for kids of that age because I do think they can handle it. But if it means equal participation, then I'm I'm certainly okay with it as well and, and very much listening open to listening to, to Pat's argument. If that's but like I, the trust But I think that it. is the argument. We all accept the kids can win and lose and oh. will learn to win and lose. Totally. But it's almost impossible to get the balance between that extreme competitiveness and equal participation. So when you're talking about underage soccer, I think the GEA is a huge advantage in Ireland with the fact that there is no big bright lights professionalism at the end of it, that actually they can impose something like this and it doesn't really matter because every club has to buy into it. The difference between under 10, under 11 soccer and GEA in Dublin is worlds apart in the pressure that is put on kids at soccer clubs because there's been sold a dream. The amount of horror stories you hear of kids are in training with one of the top clubs, nine, 10 year old kids who suddenly their mates are going training on Tuesday night. They haven't been told anything about it. Their parents aren't in the WhatsApp group anymore. Oh yeah, we're going to train three times a week. Your kid isn't in it. And we don't really care what happens then. That doesn't happen in the GA because you're in. You're sort of stuck there for life and there will be an opportunity. Whereas the drive that is there in soccer is, you know, I think we will see the fruits of that over the coming years in terms of participation. Like participation at 9, 10 is probably similar at all age groups. What's it going to be at under 16, under 17 at minor? So and the professionalism has seeped down. Oh. Well, could I, could I just say one last thing on it, though? Um, I don't think either way, if we're only talking about under 11, under 12s, what is it, under 11s? 12. Or 12s under 12s. Under 12s, okay. To be honest, that's not where the drop-off problem is in either sport. So whether we keep scored under 11 or we don't, I don't think that's going to change much because my memories of playing both GAA and soccer, and I played both to a reasonably high level as a teenager, uh, once you get into 13, 14, 15, in both codes, then frankly, what we were doing at 10, 11 is ancient history, and it will become just as cutthroat, and kids will... That's where they really need to win the fight on participation. That's where like I, you're really struggling to tell an under 15, under 16, under 14 manager, you know what, I know you want to win this match, but I actually we're in the key dropout age for these teenagers so you're going to have to play Nathan and Joe as rubbish as they are stick them in there that's where the real war for me is I don't think it I don't think you're losing a bunch of 11 year olds personally is my sense I think it's different in Dublin now certainly the one I would have been growing up in Mayo where you know we just about had enough for a soccer team and just about had enough for a GA team and yeah. everybody was in now there are clubs in Dublin with 60, 70 100 kids at one age group 100 boys at one age group and if you're suddenly making a decision that you're going to restrict the amount to play in certain competitions well how many of them are going to stick around with it Uh, we're getting a huge response uh, to this obviously Uh, you're completely wrong about soccer in line with the FAI player development plan there's no competitive leagues below the age of 12 and there's minimum game time at all age groups Uh, there is most definitely minimum age groups and while there's no league tables there are leagues in terms of digital one two three four five six seven eight nine ten all the way down which isn't there in the gea uh, i think is amory's that, missing is the that, point is that not good is that not good if they're separating better players from I, oh, I, I i well I, I certainly think the gea model would be the preferred model it's never going to happen in soccer but i think in the bigger clubs it does raise issues as suddenly you become a division one player if you want to be that and you're not there where do you go 
If you yeah. had endless leagues, would that not solve your participation problem? Just create more and more tiers of leagues. I think the GA do it very well the way they put clubs of similar sizes against each other. Okay. So you're not at any stage really separating friends. They all travel to the same place on the same day. They may not play in the same match, but they're always around each other. Yeah. Which isn't the case. Because, um, like, in terms of best players with best players and, and lesser players with lesser players where they can develop their skills at a kind of pace of game and standard of game mm. which suits them I'm all for that and like let's be honest again let's not underestimate these kids uh, when they go into the schoolyard and it's like two captains you get first pick everybody knows which kid's getting the first pick and being picked first and every kid knows who's getting picked last they all know who the best players are anyway so like we can only protect them from reality to a point here Jesus lads I'm as progressive in my thinking as anyone which Jason and Galway I would suggest means you're probably not if you're, if you're saying it uh, what on earth's going on it's only sport like what's the problem with winning and losing uh, listen to this our club had a tournament in another county under 10 you could only bring 20 players he left 7 behind the rest of the coaches said nothing awful uh, said Tony lads the attitude to this depends on your experience when growing up if you're on every team then you think it's a bad idea if you're the kid who had his soul destroyed it's the right idea that's a very good point um, yeah, people do come at this from different angles, and like there, there is an unfortunate point here. Like we have to change the culture of management. I think so. This uh, G- go GA, keep G- on the GA go. Yeah, go games. So like, yeah, <laughs> so they're not charging to watch it. So you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have to pay to play. It's, you have to pay uh, to watch this. We're going to stream all the games at under seven live. <laughs> Yeah, like my sense is at a certain point we have to change the culture of underage management. So grand, we can do this up until the age of 11. But frankly, you're still going to have the bad actors managing teams at 12, 13, 14 who will be completely cutthroat and not play the lesser players and their hearts will be broken and they'll walk away. So grand, you do it up to 11 or 12. That's still not getting to the fundamental problem. All of these uh, rather grim adults living vicariously and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to have a good team or to train well or to, to win things when I say grim I mean having a couple of players who you don't give game time to because you're so desperate to win like that that's the fundamental problem that this is trying to tackle mm. my sense is though it's just a blunt instrument grand do it to 11 if you want like the kids are keeping score anyway but you're not changing for me, you're not changing with that what's going to happen when they get to 13, 14 and things get even more serious and kids are even more likely to walk away because at 13, 14, 15, their worlds expand. So, like, it's fine. It just seems like a pretty blunt instrument, but it's not changing the culture, which is still there and waiting right around the corner. But are you not leaving it till players are more mature and able to deal with it? Like, when you say players are keeping score, I don't think any player who would have played in a goal game last weekend for our team would have known what the score was. They would have known whether they won or lost. They wouldn't have had a score, an idea of what the actual score was. Yeah, well, that was saying, I mean, tomatoes, tomatoes. You know, if you won or not, I guess is the point. No, I, I, I don't think 13, 14, 15, 16. Like, I've played in those teams and I've absolutely had mates who said, saw this, I'm not, I'm literally not getting in a car and traveling for two hours to sit on a bench anymore. Mm. It's not happening. So I, I don't think at 13, 14, 15, 16, uh, you're more mature. If anything, I think you're more likely to rebel and say, to hell with this. If a coach is not giving you game time, I think top of my head without doing any uh, research, uh, I think a question to ask is, should we have referees right up to 16, 17, 18, pick the age you want, referees making sure that the subs benches are emptied at a certain point and keeping a note of that and reporting it to the various league or 
county board if that manager down the road he never brings on anyone except one or two players and he's left five lads or five girls sitting on the bench something like that I think would get to the heart of the issue uh, goal games are great and are streamed each week you might be surprised but lots of kids under 12 aren't interested in winning they're not that into winning keeping score and great for them for many it's about playing friendship and fun the issue is mainly with some of the parents and mentors and their attitude at under 12 should be about participation fun trying hard behaviour and player retention uh, says Agreed. Tim yeah. in Black Rock exactly uh, stop assuming what happens in Dublin happens everywhere says Paul on YouTube which is uh, yeah, very, very, real, very you're a real Dublin centric I think the three of us uh, all grew up in a very uh, different place to uh, what's going on right now uh, 53106 is the text number so well, we'll sorry, I, 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 sorry to interrupt terrible I, I did play in DDSL which is very much Dublin like <sighs> where I was was kind of part of the Dublin um, this, uh, this goes to our last text Big Head Joe yeah. reasonably high level yeah. <laughs> well done. You played in the DDSL. At both as well. Nothing Sorry, we well, used. Can I tell you? There's nothing we used to enjoy more back in Ballyhonest when we rock up on the bus up to play a DDSL team who thought, oh, the Culchies are coming into town and we just go and show them a thing or two. Uh, well, like, I played up to League of Ireland under 21, which is reasonably high level. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it is. It's reasonably high level. You should no? mention it more often, Joe. I don't mention it that often, but if someone just texted to say whoop de doo um, so I, I'm just given my experience or my context, I don't, I don't suddenly think I'll be on as an analyst. Uh, would you think that maybe the fact that you play to a reasonably high level would mean reasonably, this, reasonably high level that um, you might struggle to see the other side of this? That those, no, sorry, those people I'm, who I'm, are 10, 11 oh, no. yeah. just no, want to turn up and have the crack and be with their mates. No, absolutely. Geez, absolutely not. Like, I totally get all that. I totally get all that. And like, I'm my starting point, if I haven't been clear, is participation for all is key. Retention is key. Um, good, bad and different, whatever standard. Um, my, my Just my sense of like, OK, you do this until they're 12. You know what's lurking around the corner at 13, 14, 15. Hence my suggestion, referees keep, keep track of teams who are empty in the bench or not, you know. So, geez, I can totally understand. Like, it is supposed to be fun. You know what I mean? I'd say the referees would love that. <laughs> it's it's a bit of hassle for sure, but look, the managers hand them over the 11 or the 15 and the, and the subs bench, and as each player comes on, ref ticks it, and you get a minimum of however many minutes. It, it wouldn't be impossible. Uh, the news round is in association with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave of your money back. Neon Night edition available now. Uh, let's run through the news round then. There is one live game in the Premier League. It's a big one. Yeah, there is. Manchester United host Chelsea with kickoff at 8 o'clock. A point would be enough for the home side to secure Champions League qualification for next season in Eric Den Hag's first season in charge. Speaking at his press conference today, Den Hag said he's not getting carried away and that there is much more to do overall first we have to to win the game and so get the job done and then it's about the judgment from others if it's a good performance or a bad performance or a normal performance we are in a project we want to go back and to win trophies we win one trophy we want to win more trophies we want to compete with the best but yeah it's we are still in the journey but we think we are in the right direction uh, but it can all be, always be better because good is not good enough. Meanwhile, Frank Lampard's side go into this game 12th in the table and since his appointment in early April, they've only won once and drawn once as well. That's from nine games. He says there won't be a quick fix next season. 
Premier League moves on very fast. Everyone's moving on and asking, trying to do the same things. And you see the emergence of the Newcastles and Brighton's and Aston Villas and these teams that are getting themselves in that equation now for top four at least this season. And my experience of football is that if you switch it off, it's not easy to switch it on. So that doesn't um, always become an overnight remedy. So. It's obviously not going to be my responsibility, but as I say, from my experience of being in a consistent performing club and squad for many years, the moment you do switch it off, it becomes very hard to switch it on. So I think it's uh, that will be the test next year. Uh, whatever it is, Frank has definitely switched it off, Joe. Yeah. Where, what's his next job? That's the scary prospect. Championship? You'd have to assume so. It does look as though he's in this for the long haul, that he, you know, it's not a case of, well, you know, my reputation has got me so far, it hasn't worked out, I'll just go off and sit in the BT studio. It does feel as though he wants to be a manager, a coach. He wants yeah. to be successful in this second part of his life, but... Interesting, I guess Roy Keane went back to the TV studio thinking, I'll, I'll bide my time and several years go by. Are there any jo- what jobs are going in the championship? Oh, there'll be any amount of championship. You'll just have to wait six weeks. And <laughs> <laughs> any any job is uh, coming up. And maybe you won't take over uh, Leeds or uh, Leicester or Everton, yeah. whichever. Back Leic- to Everton, whichever them go. Leicester is a good call. You could oh, see there's that. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah, he's going to have to. He should probably just take a couple of years off. Go and think about life. Yeah. Go abroad. I don't think. I don't think Premier League fans would stand for him almost at any club. I'm mortified now if you think I was boasting. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very He's modest. He's up again, though, isn't he? Jesus. Uh, no, I no, don't no, think. No. You, I think it's reasonable, though, that you come at it from having. It's just my vantage point. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, the Republic of Ireland team have announced another World Cup warm-up game. Yeah, the final World Cup game for the Republic of Ireland women's team in their preparation for the World Cup was confirmed today. Virapau's side will face Colombia behind closed doors in Brisbane on the 14th of July. That's six days before the tournament opener against Australia. There are also two preparatory games against Zambia on June the 22nd and then France on the 6th of July. They're both at Tala Stadium. Meanwhile, a number of Irish World Cup squad hopefuls are currently seeking a new club. Liverpool have confirmed that Megan Campbell will be released at the end of her current deal this summer, while 32-year-old midfielder Roisha Littlejohn is leaving Aston Villa. And also Brighton have announced that both Megan Connolly and Megan Walsh will leave the club at the end of the season. Uh, we are tight enough on time, but bring us up to date. What happened at the Giro today? Cork's Eddie Dunbar is up to fourth in general class after today's 18th stage through the mountains. Grant Thomas, who celebrated his 37th birthday today, is still the overall leader. Italian Filippo Zana won today's stage, getting the better of Frenchman Thibaut Pino in a sprint finish. Ben Healy has dropped to second in the mountain classification. Uh, Joe, was a ref we've enough to be doing without putting more responsibilities on no. us? I knew that was coming. Uh, I know. Are... I, I, I'm conscious of that. What do you think of the idea in theory, though, even if refs don't enforce Force it, just like some kind of definite, you have to empty the bench type mm. rule in, through the teenage years. I think it is definitely a good idea. How so? Does everybody have to play 15 minutes? So you go over some, 15 minutes left, you break and say, "Has everybody gone on?" Something, something like that. Mm. Yeah, it's a little bit arbitrary and all the rest, but like, yeah, something as as blunt as that. Yeah. Uh, Joe will be back with his new podcast series into what happened to his football career which is a suggestion from one of our texters a six part series I am never 
ever going to mention it again. I uh, apologize. <laughs> I, I, as soon as you said it, I was like, I, that's not where I, what I was where I was going with that. So uh, never again, Nathan. I'll tell you over. Um, you you, you want to go for a drink sometime? I'll, I'll give you the full story. I I'm cannot very keen on that. wait. Though I might be busy <laughs> that evening, but let's just wait and see. Uh, enjoy the weekend, Joe. Okay. See you. Bye bye. Anne Marie, great stuff as always. Yeah.